On today's show, as if it couldn't get any more tumultuous for the San Diego Padres, Bob Melvin has been granted permission by the Padres to interview with not just any other team, but the rival San Francisco Giants of all teams. Breaking down what that means, what it says about A.J. Preller and the Padres' future, some potential replacements for Bob Melvin. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, October 23rd. As always, I'm your host with Sometimes Occasionally, but certainly, and I mean certainly, not always the most, Javier Reyes. You can follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres if you want only Padres tweets, to which I've been trying to keep them up lately, so you can do that. Um... Also, today's episode, guys, is brought to you by a lovely app called GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed over at GameTime. Guys, today's a fun little episode. And it's not going to be much of a chunky boy. But here I was on a Sunday afternoon, I believe, about Sunday afternoon. And I was like, huh. Yeah, what am I going to do for tomorrow's episode? I got some notes, but which one do I want to do? Do I want to do another player review? Do I want to give off-season like, predictions? Do I want to do a wish list? Do I want to talk about free agents? Do I want And then, as if the universe was like, oh, no, 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 no. You don't get to just sit there and do your plan. No, 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 no. You don't get to do your nice, uh, occasionally silver-lining player reviews and talk about some of the good. No, no, no. Instead, we're giving you a little bit of a, a mini bombshell. And that is the announcement and the reports. First uh, report, I believe, from The Athletic and Dennis Lynn that the Padres are granting uh, Bob Melvin permission to speak with the San Francisco Giants about their now-open managerial vacancy. Of course, uh, for those who don't know, Gabe Kapler, despite being manager of the year uh, not too long ago, and despite the team being fairly competitive, in my opinion, um, despite some of their shortcomings in free agency and acquiring talent and farm system, he was fired, surprisingly, a few weeks back. Now, I have there's definitely reasons for why I think that they fired Gabe Kapler that might make sense and why it might have been justified, um, but it was still a little bit of a surprising move. And maybe we should have looked at that and said, oh, is this a sign that something's about to happen? You know what I mean? Like, is there someone who's going to be brought on? And then you had the Elisa Nakin story, who or she's been interviewing for the position, which, for the record, I'm obviously for it. Obviously, that would be great. But, you know, always just words to the wise and all my 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 homies out there and my listeners, like, when it comes to the, the first women ever in certain positions, be careful with some of these reports just because teams really like to leak it out there that they interviewed uh, a woman for their position, or at least not all the time, but like I think the Portland Trailblazers and the NBA, uh, hilarious that their name is Trailblazers, by the way, in this context, but um, like they reported like um, uh, Becky Hammond, who now coaches the Aces, who just won another title at WNBA, they reported like, oh, like, you know, she got really far though, you know what I mean? And then they hired Chauncey Billups, which is a problem in all itself, but uh, that's basically what I'm saying, is sometimes teams... This stuff comes out. I'm not saying that's what the Giants were doing in this situation, but it, it just can happen. So you got to be careful with that stuff. And in general, you do have to be, be careful of reports in general, too. Um, 
And that's what a lot of people were saying, especially um, a few weeks back when AJ Preller, uh, maybe not even a few weeks back, this might have been just like two weeks ago, I think, actually. And I, yeah, I think it was about two weeks ago that AJ Preller held, held that like Zoom you know, conference. He answered a bunch of questions. And then he said, he said that they were excited to bring back Bob Melvin for next season. And he was excited to work along with them. He shot down any reports, basically uh, dispelling them as anonymous quotes and uncredited sources and all that stuff. And then two weeks later, here we are now. And who told you? Who told you? One of the things I say a lot on this podcast, and I know that I have a bias because I am a media member, journalistic folk person of sorts, um, that you have to be careful with, like, I often get a little bit frustrated when people say, like, oh, well, when the report from Kevin Acey, the San Diego Tribune, came out, right? About not just Preller, but Manny Machado and some of the things, even though I don't think that that piece was really taking shots at Manny Machado, not really, and he got, like, 30 minutes on the record. Like, there was, like... He talked with the guy, right? And then a lot of people are saying, oh, well, Will Myers responded and said, oh, this, is, this isn't the guy that I knew. And, oh, this isn't the guy I knew. Aside from the fact that, like, just because someone may be nice to you or good to you or a certain way to you in their experience does not mean that that applies to every other human being. So that's just one note for just a lesson of life. And number two, that there's this issue that I have with some people sometimes where news is messed up in a lot of ways. Breaking news, guys. There's a lot of issues with media consolidation and corporate powers in charge of it, and sometimes just occasionally some reporters trying to make some engagement. It happens, right? But the idea that there's, like, no incentive for your Machados, for players on the team, for Will Myers, etc., to push back those those reports, like, that, that it's just they're an objective narrator in this situation, that they're the objective source. When... Same thing kind of would apply here. I'm not saying that everybody was up in arms and defending A.J. Preller after that conference, but this is why I said after it happened, while well, it was an exciting notion because I have been I have defended Preller in the past and said, look, um, this could be a sign that he's learning and saying, you know what, we need to get better at this. Let's figure it out next year, whatever. And that would be great news. That's what I was excited for when he said that they were bringing back Bob, Bob Melvin. But one of the other things that I mentioned on that podcast when the news broke was that, be careful, uh, we don't know for sure. It wasn't like he it was a ringing giant endorsement. We don't know if this is true. And it's not like this is the first time A.J. Preller has been very dodgy with the media. You know what I mean? Like, he does this a lot. This is just kind of their thing. And... You know, sometimes I totally understand it. You don't want to create distractions. You don't want to have all these big issues or what have you, right? But, you know, this is just another lesson in the fact that, of course, people with the team are going to be just because you love the team doesn't make sense uh, for you to just agree with everything that they say and assume that they have no, like I said, no incentive to push back on a narrative. The same way that your random YouTubers that you go for news who might be great, those they're your sources and whatnot, as if they don't have an incentive to tell you that mainstream cable news or mainstream blank news or mainstream sources or reporters, that they aren't trustworthy, right? Like, there's incentives everywhere, and it's really hard. And don't worry if you're having trouble navigating through it. It's difficult. But enough of my soapbox. Bottom line is I think that this is just more evidence uh, that all that stuff is pretty true. Um, that I would, I think that it gives credence to all the reports that the Padres are pretty dysfunctional um, in a lot of ways. On top of the fact that they are about to let their manager of the year multiple times walk to a division rival, they are shedding payroll by about fifty million. Season ticket prices are still probably going to stay the same, if not go up. And then 
you have your GM. Your GM who is now going to be permitted to hire, assuming this goes through, let's just assume this goes through. I'm not saying it's a done deal that he's going to the Giants, but the fact that he's interviewing, despite having less talent, by the way, as of right now, anyway, we don't know what's going to happen in the offseason. Maybe they're going to get Otani or whatever. But as of right now, less talent with the Giants when you've got Soto and Tatis and Manny and Bogarts and all these guys and a, a rising farm system that I only keep hearing the best reviews of that he wants to leave or he's interested in leaving. I think that's as big an indictment on the AJ Prowler regime as we've had, as we've had in a while. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that regime in more detail in just a minute, guys. Because today's a rant episode. Let's just be honest. Today's a ranting episode. I know you guys like it every now and then when I rant. Everyone does. It's just kind of like fun. And I get it. You like you like a little bit of a release sometimes. But before we get into that, folks, before we get into that, I want to take a quick second to talk to you about our good friends that I mentioned at the top of the pod over at Game Time. Ladies and gentlemen, here's what I love. Here's what I love. Not just do they help you out with baseball. I know you're listening to a baseball podcast, but it's not just baseball that they get you. They got the NFL. You know, if you want to see the, the uh, who played last night, if you had wanted to see Dolphins-Eagles, one of the games of the year, right? If you want to see, I don't know, whatever's coming up. You get my point. You want to get some Thanksgiving stuff. You want to get a, a gift, whatever. Or maybe just in the moment, last minute deals, flash deals, zone deals. They've got you covered. And on top of just sports, they also got you with theater and concerts and comedy clubs. Like, they got you for everything, man. Like, they can help you out with all sorts of whatever an event is. They can help you out over at Game Time. And another thing that I like is, on top of the Flash deals, on top of it being really easy to find them, on top of all that stuff, they also give you lowest prices guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, and a nice little view from the seat before you purchase it. You know, for my visual learning homies out there. So go check out Game Time, ladies and gentlemen. It's really fantastic. And yeah, I cannot say enough about it. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Agree Again, create an account. Use that code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed at game time. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember to go check us out on SiriusXM. Check out the play-by-play when the Padres are playing over at SiriusXM. You love your hometown broadcasters. And of course, thank you for making us your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. There was a little note. Um... And Jeff Passan had his own like little article kind of summarizing the events over at ESPN, kind of corroborating the news. And there was one paragraph in particular that shattered my heart. That shattered my heart. Read it from the piece now. The Giants' request for permission to talk with Melvin, first reported by The Athletic, came early in the week, sources said. Were Melvin to be hired, it wouldn't be the first time a Padres manager under contract left for San Francisco. After 12 seasons as a San Diego manager, Bruce Bochy absconded to San Francisco where he won three World Series titles. Ladies and gentlemen, we are in just like the, we are in the pits of Tartarus when it comes to this team sometimes. And look, again, I'm not saying that Melvin 
doesn't deserve some blame. Everyone deserves blame for what happened this year. It's them and the Mets were like historically phenomenally disappointing this season, obviously. But I just think that for you to ignore AJ Preller is the big thing here. And I know that they've spoken. Also, by the way, I recommend going checking out. Um, Dennis Lynn actually put in another, um, or put out another article about Bob Melvin that we're going to talk about just in a second. But I recommend you go read the thing, Why Hiring Bob Melvin Makes Sense for the Giants. That just came out, like, basically as I was prepping to record uh, for this podcast. And one of the things that he mentioned was basically he talks about a lot of the friction and how, you know, how they're in win-now mode, all of these things. Um, so... All those things. You could check that out. He also did an article saying why it could make sense for the Padres to let him interview in the first place, right? So go check that out. Really good stuff over at The Athletic. And one of the things that that annoys me here is that it's simple. And that's what I said at the top of the podcast. If Bob Melvin walks, this will then be the sixth manager that AJ Preller goes ahead and replaces. And unlike previous managers, these weren't Bob Melvin wasn't viewed as like an extension of the front office, which guys like Jace Tingler um were kind of guilty of. If if you want to fault them for that. It's more of a Preller thing, but that's what was kind of the thing where everyone was like you're just getting someone who you already work with and know and then they brought in Bob Melvin who's a guy with experience and a guy who's separated from the Padres in, in a good way. By the way, I think it's good to bring in an outside perspective. But then <laughs> All of a sudden, we're, we have Peter Seidler and company who have just the utmost faith in A.J. Preller. I know that there were reports that the Padres and more of the ownership group would be conducting an investigation into, not for like any like nefarious things, but just the whole, let's look at our organization and see what's happening, right? And to me, I, again, I have defended Preller many times on the podcast, and I think a lot of people bring up like he's an incredible talent evaluator. But the amount of people that he has brought in and he's micromanaged and he basically there are just people that see eye to eye with him is just not a good sign. By the way, he saw eye to eye. And this is one thing that was mentioned in Dennis Lynn's article. He saw eye to eye and in quote was viewed as one of his closest friends, Jace Tingler. And then by the time he was managing the Padres, things just fell apart and the two weren't as close anymore, which to me is an indictment on Preller's ability to manage people. Because you shouldn't be trying to manage people, at least people that aren't in your department, right? It's one thing if he's like in the front office and he's got some, you know, people under him who send him reports or whatever you want to call it. And you want to make sure you have the right people. But if you're doing that for one, remember when he fired the farm system director? Remember that? Despite the Padres accruing a pretty decent farm year after year. Um, my, my theory to this day still remains that I think that the Mackenzie Gore thing was part of that. Remember Mackenzie Gore was like the top pitching prospect in baseball and then mysteriously was outside the top 100 and like didn't pitch for like six months for some reason. Remember that whole thing? So that was my only theory for a defense for why Preller made that decision was maybe like the way that they handled Gore was just inexcusable. But then again, whatever. I don't even know if that was the farm system's job, uh, director's job to be able to know uh, what was going to happen necessarily. But you have all these things stack on top of each other. And... AJ Peller is about to hire his sixth manager, and you just don't last that long. And by the way, also brought up in Dennis Lynn's report, the only manager to win more than 82 games while in this AJ Peller regime is Bob Melvin. And that's the only one. And they won 89 games. 
This is a guy who's been on top of the team essentially since 2014, first full-time since 2015, and none of his teams have won more than 90 games. You can excuse some of the beginning ones. You know, 2016, 2017, 2018. You can excuse some of those years because they were rebuilding. But even still, when he first came on board, the first thing he did was trade everybody in exchange for Will Myers. Trey Turner's pretty good. He's currently about, like, one game away from being in the World Series uh, again. And then, or maybe not again. <laughs> you know why? Because he was on the Dodgers and they didn't make it either when we had him, right? Uh, but actually, he did with the, the Nationals, didn't he? I think he did. Yeah. Okay. But so my disc doesn't work as well, but you guys get my point. You have him that they gave up for Will Myers. You have all the stuff they gave up for Justin Upton. You have all the stuff that they gave up for um, Matt Kemp, right? You have all the stuff they gave up for Craig Kimbrell. Now, again, and I've told you before, one of my closest friends, I remember at the time before I even had been fully developed into Padres Nation and had, had even been following the team, he was thrilled because his thing was like, I just respect that he's doing something, that he's making attempts. Like, we never do this. We, as in the Padres, he's like, we never make these big splashing moves. We always are telling people, look at the farm and look towards the future. It'll be good this time, we promise. And then it never happens. So he just respected that the guy had the wherewithal, the, the cojones, dare I say, to go out there and make some big moves. Did it work? No. Was it kind of a dis disaster? A little, yeah, because you gave up some really good players, including um, Trey Turner. But then he reset, and the rebuilding went underway. But you have to also look into some of the other seasons post those rebuilding years. Signing Eric Hosmer for 2018. Eric Hosmer, we ain't got to talk about that. You all know how I feel about Eric Hosmer. I love that he blocked me on Twitter. But even still, we know how that turned out. And then they were really bad that year. And then in 2019, they not only trade Franmil Reyes, who was re re uh, uh, viewed as like a locker room like great player. And unlike Eric Hosmer, someone who actually was producing. Now, don't get me wrong. Franmil Reyes had problems. He couldn't play in the field, and he did strike out a little bit too much. But even still, the Franimal was pretty good for the Padres. And then they collapsed and had an awful record in the second half. And, you know, it's hard not to look at the fact that they got rid of Franmil Reyes, and they also removed their manager. Another manager that A.J. Preller fired. Then you have 2020. The ones, the first season when they actually did well. But you know what 2020 was? A shortened season. So it's hard to... Not that 2020 doesn't matter, and not what the players did during that time period. And I'll even go as far to say that not even the Dodgers championship that they won doesn't matter. I make fun of the Dodgers because it just says a lot that the only time they didn't choke was in the shortened season. It's actually more of an indictment on them. It still counts, but it's a little bit more of an indictment on them. So you have that season, right? Then you have 2021. Collapse happens. Then you have 2022. A season that was really fun and had a lot of like big clutch plays from guys like Jerickson Profar. Hassan Kim takes a leak. Manny Machado should have won the MVP, etc. Right? Mackenzie Gore comes up finally and actually produces for the team pretty much. But that team might have been a little fortunate. Like they were not in positive run differential, much like the other teams that beat them out this year. And they had a lot of issues, right? But, you know, they still were a decent team. Um, in a lot of ways, and you, you can give Preller some credit, but even still, it was 89 wins, and then you saw what they did at the deadline, where they bring in Soto, they bring in Brandon Jury, they bring in Josh Bell, and literally every all three of them got worse at the end of the season. Now, Soto redeemed himself this year in his first full season, put up the 5.5 F war, his W, all that stuff. We know about Juan Soto's bat, right? But I'm just saying, it does show you, why does it, why does it keep happening that everyone gets here is really bad? Or at least they get, uh, I should say, not really bad, but they get worse. Or they stay the same. So two, the only two outcomes. Very few players get better when they join the Padres. And that usually isn't something you always put on A.J. Preller. 
because he's just the guy who's supposed to assemble the talent. But it does say a lot. And and also, it's not like he some of the players he's acquired are like, wow, why are you going after him types? Some of them have been. Your Robinson Canoes, your you, you could say you could argue your Matt Carpenter to to an extent. But there's been a lot of players that at the time were great when he acquired them. But the reason why you have to bring Preller a little bit for this is because everyone gets worse or stays the same, and he's such a micromanager that he's looking at everything. He doesn't let people do their jobs. That's why you get all these reports, and again, I recommend checking out this athletic article, all these reports about friction and not being on the same page. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Almost from the start, in quotes from that article, almost from the start, Preller and Melvin clashed on communication, roster construction, and other issues. The rift between them got to the point that one player... Uh, from the Padres, recently told The Athletic he viewed it as unfixable, with some inside the organization echoing that sentiment. Melvin had been hired, and what ownership and the front office agreed was a necessary shift away, like I just was saying, from first-time managers. Or not first-time managers, but people he knows. But this is a great point, too, from first-time managers. Before hiring Melvin, Preller had fired two such managers in Andy Green and Jay Stingler. So... uh, and, and reading more from the article, however, the optics and practicality of firing a widely respected manager would present significant obstacles. Preller already has been permitted to fire three full-time managers, Bud Black, Green, and Tingler, after his relationship with each man deteriorated. That's an abnormal number for a GM whose only seasons of 82 or more wins in San Diego have come with Melvin at the home helm. Again, I just like... It's just frustrating. I would not usually blame a GM, right? But when the GM is making all these decisions, has this much power, is firing this many people, is micromanaging this much. Oh, well, Javi, those are just reports of the micromanaging. Bruh, we just saw him deny all the locker room clubhouse dysfunction, and you're letting him interview with your literal division rival. I think that these reports are absolutely true. He's a micromanager, and it's not the first time. We got them in 2021, these reports, too. So, guys, again... This this carries a lot of weight to it. You know what I mean? It's not like someone has it out for the Padres. So all these things add up, and it's just really frustrating. Again, guys, the sixth manager. Most GMs, I've been watching baseball for a long time, and even if you, the listener or viewer, haven't been watching baseball for a long time or paying attention to it, no, it is very rare for a general manager to get to his third hired manager, let alone his sixth manager. I, I just... It's some clown circus nonsense going on. And this is why when everyone asks me, why didn't they go after Jason Hayward? Why did they... It's not that, guys. It's that the Padres don't know what they're doing. They don't know how to make people better. They don't know how to improve their clubhouse. They don't know how to improve their organization and the jobs and the entry-level stuff and data analytics staff and training staff. And that's why we're here. We're here trusting this GM that, while I think has a lot of redeeming value, and I think is better than a lot of GMs in the league, including GMs that aren't currently under fire right now. Um, But that's for another podcast. And instead, here we are. Here we are. About to let Bob Melvin walk to the Giants, and I'm sure that'll end well, because it ended well when Bruce Bochy left as well. It definitely did. So there's that. Before we conclude the podcast, guys, we got to talk about possible replacements. And... A little bit more Preller bashing. Don't worry. We got a little bit in there. If you have, if you haven't got enough, if you haven't had your fill already, don't worry. I got you guys. But before we get into that, before we get into that, I just want to take a quick second to talk about the homies over at FanDuel. I'm using the word homies a little bit too much on today's podcast. I don't like it. Feels like I'm, you know, how do you do fellow kids? But the people over at FanDuel, 
They don't use words to sound like they're younger. They just tell you how it is and they give you everything you want. October baseball is obviously here and you can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Again, they don't just say it, they do it. Join FanDuel today and you'll get started with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your account. Remember, locked on, that's very important. Then you can get on the action from the first pitch until the final out and you can bet on everything. Strikeouts, walks, total bases, home runs, hits. You can do it all, man. They got you covered. So don't, don't make any excuses that you didn't have your option to pick Bryce Harper home run it, who am I hitting a home run tonight? Because they got you. Don't worry, they got you guys. So head on over again to fanduel.com slash locked on right now with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed after your first $5 bet. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. And folks, just like that, we are back. Here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, your team every day, your first listen every day, hopefully. Um, I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend, by the way. I actually had a pretty great weekend because I tried my best to ignore anything that was going on and just focus on playing Spider-Man 2. It was lovely, by the way. It was lovely. Miles Morales himself would say, what is going on with the Padres right now? How is Preller allowed to make these changes? What's going on? You know what I mean? Um, but, man... Man, and the last thing we got to talk about is possible replacements. Now, here's the thing. My beef with these possible replacements has nothing to do, not nothing to do, but it's, it is, it, I'm not going to bring up the thing where people say, you know, there's, there's nobody out there, right? Like there's no, and there's no like giant name. I mean, if you want to go old school and you want to go backwards or whatever you want to call it, Joe Madden, right? He was let go by the Angels last year after they after they started off like what was it like? They had like the best record in their division, and lost eighteen straight, like something crazy like that. Um, again, like I said, guys, there are worse teams out there than the San Diego Padres that have no hope, seemingly, of turning things around. But my problem with these cannons isn't that we don't have some known quantity here. Uh, to the degree of a Bob Melvin, because there really isn't anyone out there. Um, I don't have any problem with that. But the wide belief, and this was reported by Dennis Lynn and more, uh, another report from Dennis Lynn and Britt Brit Groly. I don't know how to say her last name. My apologies, Brittany. Um, that they put together a list as well of the likely candidates. And the two likeliest candidates are within house with the Padres, which in some ways is a good thing. I don't mind necessarily when people are like, you know what? Let's, let's do an in-house candidate. We don't have to bring everyone from the outside. My problem is that that's what the Padres have been doing forever, uh, especially under AJ Preller, is bringing in guys that are in-house. Now, it's not literally in-house, but let's say it's in Preller's house, right? His somewhat, like, with Tingler, with, but, like, guys that he's known before, right? And not reaching out and saying, let me just go out and say, who's the best man for the job? That's not what keeps happening. And the leading candidate, it seems, is Ryan Flaherty, who's currently the Padres bench coach, for those unfamiliar. And I'm going to read a little bit of what they say here in the passage because they sum it up very well. Flaherty, 37, was the team's offensive coordinator last season and served as an interim manager in June 2022 before and after Melvin underwent prostate surgery. His youth, Flaherty would be the youngest manager in the majors, and inexperience could be an issue. Ha! <laughs> 
you think? But Flaherty is a former big league player who has who was teammates with Manny Machado in Baltimore. He is well liked in the Padres clubhouse. Right. And same thing. I'm sure that he's the only manager to have the was is liked by the players in the Padres clubhouse tag. They say that about everybody. They said that about Eric Hosmer, for Christ's sake, and he couldn't hit worth a damn for us. But my biggest issue is this. On top of the inexperience, like, (laughs) also, here's another thing. Flaherty is widely viewed as the leading candidate to replace Melvin, as he's well thought of in the organization is believed to have a strong working relationship with Preller. How many times have we heard that before? Strong working relationship with AJ Preller. That, to me, just says he wants an extension in the front office. That he wants someone out there to, I'm not going to say puppet, but someone who is out there that's just going to listen to everything he says, that's going to be grateful for the opportunity in the first place. He's only 37, like I mentioned. And you don't have to worry about any pushback. Just boom, go out there and do what I tell you, boom. And that has not played out well for basically a lot of teams, in my opinion. And here we are. Here we are uh, with, with that situation. And on top of that, I'm really annoyed with the fact that what, has, what exactly has Ryan Flaherty done that makes us thrilled? with the idea for him to be the manager. So 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 if I'm not mistaken, the positives of this signing or this this hiring would be that he has a good connection with the GM who's been able to hire six managers and hasn't had a winning season of over 90 games and that he's was once teammates with Manny Machado. As if for some reason you still owe Manny Machado anything. Really? Really Padres? That's what we're going to do. Because Manny likes him. He liked him 30 years ago when he was in Baltimore. That's what we're going to be doing now. And he's the offensive coordinator. Last time I checked, guys, the Padres weren't very good with their offense. Sorry to yell, but their offense wasn't very good last year. So nothing on the merits and the actual play on field is resulting in this hiring. Ruben Niebla, for example, the pitching coach, has done wonders. He turned Corey Kluber into a Cy Young. Carlos Carrasco was very good for them. Uh, um, Danny Salazar was good for them. Shane Bieber turned into a Cy Young winner with him, right? He's had a lot of pitchers win Cy Young awards and just be great pitchers. And when the when the Guardians were very good, like they were in the championship series with like incredible pitching, like at every at every stretch. That was a hiring that was like, Merited, like it was merited on top of that. And in fact, the people in Cleveland say that he was probably going to be their next overall manager if not getting put, if not for getting pushed by the Padres. So you have that. So that's my breakdown. He's an extension to the front office. He was an offensive coordinator for a team that was historically disappointing offensively. And then he knew Manny Machado once upon a time. And I guess that's what it takes to manage a team with a lofty payroll, giant expectations, and all these superstars. Let's just bring in this guy. Because that's better to have than Bob Melvin. It's Bob Melvin is the one in the wrong. Instead of like, it's the kids who are wrong, babe, it's the it's the manager with experience that's wrong. And then the other candidate is Mike Schilt, who is currently a Padres senior advisor. Reading now from the article, Schilt joined the Padres last year in a role in which he eventually became a daily presence with the big league club. He has made it no secret he wants to manage again and should get a strong look. Although Flaherty is viewed as the leading internal candidate, Schilt has experience having previously managed the Cardinals from 2018 to 2021, including winning NL Manager of the Year in 2019. Given the internal options, it doesn't seem likely that the Padres will make an external hire. Yeah, 
<laughs> no duh. Uh, still, the organization could conduct interviews with people from other organizations in order to hear outside ideas and gauge potential candidates for a few for a new manager's staff. Here are some names that could garner an earlier interview, and then they go on to talk about guys like Joe Espada, Dine Mattingly, Will Venable, Nick Hundley, for just like rounding out the staff. That part I don't have any beef with, right? Like that part, that's that's a separate conversation. But in terms of the manager, look. If I had to choose one, it'd be Mike Schilt, just because I feel like you're actually hiring someone who's not a first-time manager and not just an extension of the front office. It was very, very weird, I will admit, when he was fired by the Cardinals, because the Cardinals don't do stuff like that. They don't fire guys for random, inexplicable reasons, and I know that they disappointed in the playoffs, and that's part of why he got fired, but when the Padres picked him up, it was a surprising move, if you guys remember when Mike Schilt was fired. I'm not saying this guy is like... You know, Vince Lombardi. I'm not saying that this guy's Bruce Bochy or Greg Popovich, whatever great coaches you can think of. But I was still a little bit surprised by that move, which makes me wonder, considering the Cardinals have a high reputation as an organization, was there something wrong there? Was it like a little bit of luck and maybe he wasn't actually doing all that great behind the scenes? It's not impossible for a manager or a coach to not actually be that great at their job, but the team be great because of the talent surrounding it. Right. Let's say um, a basketball analogy when they fired. What's his name? Uh, Mark Jackson. Right. And then they brought in Steve Kerr, who actually told the Warriors like how to play as a team better. Right. I'm not saying that Mark Jackson was the worst coach ever. I'm not saying that Mike Schilt is like secretly the worst manager ever. It's just it gives you pause. Right. So remember that it is possible for these things to happen. But I would prefer Schilt only because it feels like we're not just falling down the first time manager who's probably just an extension of the front office. He's got more experience. He's at least been in winning positions before. I know he had the bad wild card loss and he's one manager of the year. So I think that that at least counts for something. And I, if we're going to do an internal hire, that would be the one that I like more because the resume is better than Ryan Flaherty, who is an offensive coach for an offense that literally I'm almost convinced that the worst players you've ever watched were better than the Padres this year with runners in scoring position and clutch situations. So that would be my, my thoughts there. Again, who knows? I'm going to be upset either way when Melvin's let go. So don't hold your breath for me to be thrilled by whoever they bring in, especially if it's Ryan Flaherty, because that just shows me just a reluctance to let people do what they want. Stop micromanaging people, let people do their jobs and go out there. The only manager that has won more than 82 games with A.J. Preller above him is Bob Melvin. And he's about to go to the Giants. Guys, if that isn't an indictment that he is leaving all the known quantity stars that just made it to the NLCS a year ago. In favor of a team that does, and also, by the way, a team that has great pitching and Joe Musgrove, an owner that's willing to spend. I'm not saying the Giants aren't, but, you know, a, an owner that has shown a willingness to spend, an ownership group, whatever you want to call it. A great and rising farm system that everyone I talk to loves it. They love it. They love how much everything's progressing. Homer Bush might be in the top 100 in like three months, too. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's not even being talked about yet, but he might be up there at some point. You have all that. And he wants to go to the team with not a very good farm system where their best pitching prospect, Kyle Harrison, was like 91st on everybody's top 100. And he's not viewed necessarily as like a superstar pitcher where they don't really have a lot of farm help. They have an old team and they do not have they haven't acquired like big time free agents in a decent amount of time now. And he's willing to just go over there. That tells you a lot 
ladies and gentlemen, a lot about the Padres and a little bit about how the about the Giants and the respect that people have uh, for them around the league, including the respect that they clearly probably have for their managers and their staff and having people work and doing things well. You know? The Padres are better than the Giants this year, but just barely. Just barely. And they didn't have superstars on their team. That's a testament to their culture, and it's an indictment on the Padres. But ladies and gentlemen, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Hopefully you enjoyed today's ranting episode. If you want, go check out last week's episodes about player reviews on Tatis and Hassan Kim, or was it Bogarts? I think it was Soto and Kim last week. And you can also check out my mailbag I did on Friday. That was a really fun episode. In terms of feature episodes, going to be doing some more player reviews, talking about off-season outlook stuff, going to be talking about the five biggest questions, also going to be talking about the five biggest traps for Padres fans to not fall into this uh, upcoming season. So... Be excited, ladies and gentlemen, because at the very minimum, there will be things to talk about. And there's worse positions to be in as a baseball fan than at least having things to talk about. You know, so until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies. Take care.